I mean, this is a, it's a emerging story, but we've got uh, our oldest is in kindergarten this year and they're just starting to do these little sports activities. And uh, there's one mom in this group who is like amazing at, we're going to do this. We're going to get families together and, and they don't know Jesus, but they are the best connectors yeah. in the world. So, you know what I'm going to do? I want to hang out with them. Like, because like I could, they, it's years of relational equity built up in one friendship, yeah. right? Like, cause they have, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, we, we believe very much in parasitical ministry missions. <laughs> I agree. Totally. <laughs> like, hey friends, welcome to the 1000 houses podcast, where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you're going to hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission and community and discipleship. Today's episode is from one of our coaching intensives called Made for Mission, where we coach others on how to practically live out the command of Jesus to go and make disciples in our Western context. So if you want to learn more about A Thousand Houses or check out some of our resources, visit one kh. So we're excited to talk to you guys about uh, this topic. We're back with uh, Corey and Brian from the Kansas City Underground. And um, I, I just, it's so clear that it's so, it's different uh, trying to make disciples and just be missionaries in the West. And I don't know that this has been teased out well. Um, there's certain phrases that have really helped me. One of them is that in the West, we're more of an affinity based culture. And so, mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of times when people are doing just amazing disciple making movements overseas, they're very proximity based. And so they, they live in these little villages. Everyone knows each other. The relational networks are yeah. dense and large. And you get to the West and it's like things don't multiply. Things like, you know, you see these missionaries from overseas are like, what's your problem? What's the, ma- what's the matter with America? What's the matter with, you know, the whole Western yeah. world? Why doesn't it work? Can't we just plug and play these strategies over here? because there's explosive movements going on overseas. And so there's a, you know, I know a lot of us have tried these things and um, we're like, why doesn't this work? So, and then Corey wrote this fantastic article where he sort of teased out, you know, really trying to get at the core of the, the cultural um, differences. And so, yeah, I just wanted to co- have a conversation with you guys. How is missionary work different in the West? How, what have you guys learned about that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so many answers, and and some of them though are uh, in some ways it's not different, yeah. in other ways it's totally different. And I think that we can all point to a handful of major differences. And you really, um, Jeremy, unpacked some of that is is the relational networking. So movements really based off of networks. You know, it's based off the spirit of God. Uh, but it's also like it travels through networks like anything else. And so we can we can point to a handful of things in every culture that are barricades to the movement of the gospel. Um, I would say the biggest one for us is the fact that we don't have tons of, of natural networking. And so overseas, and it's not even just overseas, throughout time, the gospel generally, it penetrates a new environment or new network through uh, these relational gatekeepers that we often call persons of peace. Uh, we see this in Luke chapter 10, that they're, they're people who are God stirring in, they're spiritually interested, but they act like um, like an entry point to a whole new network. So in that sense, the I always say the encouraging thing is we're always one relationship away from a new network. Mm. Uh, in America, we have a lot of fractured networks. And so we may not just find that one person who has uh, the relational capital 
to draw in 30 people from their village to all hear this Jesus story. So in that sense, we have to think about mobilizing more and more people to find more and more persons of peace and more and more nuanced uh, relational context. Mm -hmm. So uh, it could be your work. The reason why we talk about where you live, learn, work and play or, or whatever variation of that yeah. is because, okay, for many of us, we will act as the relational networker in an environment. So the reason how this may be a little bit different from overseas also, or just traditionally, when you think about the person of peace concept, generally that is someone who doesn't yet know Jesus in a, an environment around other people who don't yet know Jesus. And although that is very true and lots of times here in America as well, other times you as an already follower of Jesus may be the person in a network that acts as kind of the glue person as you know like and so especially like in your like your neighborhood's a great example even though that's a that's an um, example of a place and not a network uh people didn't know each other i would argue that it is a network yeah you know it's, it's both but like the fact that people didn't know each other yeah and so they had to create kind of a network from scratch in order to plant the gospel in right that is a missionary uh, strategy in america that's huge other times you know like uh, if I have a bunch of friends, so there was a bunch of people that were training who were connected in a CrossFit gym and, you know, and they discovered, hey, we're in this together. They start praying and they realize they're like, they're kind of like the community gatherers. It's like, sweet. You don't necessarily have to find the traditional person of peace and that you have to find spiritually interested people. Mm -hmm. But like, so for us, it looks like mobilizing hardcore on one end mm -hmm. and, and also uh, finding the people who are spiritually interested, right? So it's mobilizing and it's planting. Yeah, and the reason I said I would argue that it is a network, I think is like just a principle. When you when you think, you know, geographically what's happening in uh, across the globe with these like kind of viral movements, uh, if you want to take some of the principles and apply them here, it's like our, our net, the reason we have a network in our neighborhood is because we share a similar story. And we share similar relational dynamics. We share similar daily, weekly rhythms, right? And so like when you look around us, the people that we've connected to most deeply are like, they all have little kids. They walk up yeah. to the school and back every day. We do the same neighborhood parties, We whatever that kind of thing looks like. So I think when you begin to look at the American or the Western context, what's important is the networks that we can see the gospel move among is like, look for a similar story. So like what Corey has done with the share the hope community, it's not all resting on you, but it's like, these are guys that have a similar story of incarceration. Well, if you look deeper, I bet you'll find similar stories about their family life growing up. Right. So I think the important thing that we can begin to do as we help mobilize people is like, when you begin <laughs> to look at the things that you are passionate about, the way that God made you, what is the network that you could step into of the people that share a similar story? So like CrossFitters, it's like, man, that's all they talk about. They share a similar language. Yeah. You know, they're evangelizing for their deal. It's like you can seed an idea in that community and then, you know, like everybody's like, all right, well, I love that dude at CrossFit. So I guess I trust him enough, you know? Mm. Uh, and I think you can begin to do that in any network in the West. It's the difference probably is, it's not going to move from village to village to village because of that way. It may move to network to network to network because it's like yep. you got a guy in CrossFit 
who becomes a disciple of Jesus because someone has chosen to plant the gospel in that network of relationships. And then this guy's also uh, like one network over is the triathlete community because he's also passionate about that. Or you plant the gospel within Share the Hope and you got one guy that's like, you know what, it's the transitional houses in Kansas City right. because of something. And then it's like all the transitional houses. But then somebody that comes out of that is like, I don't know, it's the, the welding community because they got a job in yeah. welding. And it's like yeah. beginning to see those little connections that move it to a new network. But think more of like, who are the people that share a similar story and a similar yeah. language and similar rhythms? Yeah, that makes sense. And I've been thinking a lot about in terms of like these two, I know there's different, probably different ways to label it. I, I see kind of one being kind of more of an invitation based where you're bringing people in, you're the person of peace and you're inviting, you're creating the network. Like you guys were saying that one of the problems is that sometimes you have to create the network to have influence over it. And we're going to yeah. find that's, that's the case for a lot of us. And so a lot of our equipping in this course is how to create um, how to create a network out of the things that you you do all the time or things that you enjoy uh, places that you you are you're either living or working um, and then there's kind of what I think of more of exploration where you're going out more the traditional Luke 10 you know yeah. finding these networks and um, and sometimes I think that to me the biggest barrier to being exploratory in some level is this the time because you kind of have to base your yeah. schedule rhythm a little bit more on that network you can't you know with invitation you can say when does this work for me like let's create some rhythms let's you know let's make this you know even my house sometimes be the center of but 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 if the lord calls you out into kind of more of an exploration and you go out and you start to meet people and you start to get into a network yeah any any thoughts about that tension that you guys see in your network do some people gravitate towards one or the other like how does that work for you guys yeah, man, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, I see. Yeah. The, the words I use are like, on one hand, where are the places that you have a reason to exist? Mm -hmm. That you're probably going to be more of a uh, on the ground mission. Maybe it's I'm the person of peace type of reality. And then the other side is uh, where are you, where can you be catalytic? It's my favorite word where like I come in and I help spark from the outside, mm. but the real work is, you know, insiders and and that is most naturally done in places where there are still natural networks college dorms jails anytime where there's some kind of community you know like there's mm -hmm. there are still places that exist like that in america they're just harder to find if that's if that's the case and you're an outsider your whole role you're trying to find an insider who has that kind of relational influence so that's the big thing. The other thing you're thinking is time, right? I heard you. Yeah. So we want to unpack that. Yeah. We tell people they need to find at least 10 to 12 hours in their week to give to disciple making apart from, you know, everything else. And that sounds like adding something onto your life. Um, but it, it, it doesn't mean that it means you have to rethink your time most, mostly. Um, and so we begin to, you know, explore our calendar. Where are we spending our time? you know, and where are we wasting our time? Because for most of us, it's like, you know, calendar your week. Oh, actually your phone will tell you this now, right? Yeah. You spent four hours per day last week on your screen. Okay. That's probably a bit excessive. <laughs> you know, like, we need to pay attention to those things and go like, where can I cut some of those things? But also how can I re 
uh, refocus my time, invite people into it, you know? So when I say 10 to 12 hours in my network, it's like this morning, I was like, oh, I think I just want to drive my kids to school, drop them off and like go about my day. That's a no, like my neighbors walk. I can have spiritual conversations in the 10 minutes it takes me to walk up and the 10 minutes it takes me to come back. Mm-hmm. And Jesus may want me to do that today. So guess what? That 20 minutes counts. And it's not about getting to a place where you go, oh, I did all my time this week. It's just mm-hmm. like, and how do I integrate all of my day right. into a thought process of disciple making? And where might those spiritual conversations come up? So we have mm-hmm. to focus on that. And there will be a place where we go, you know, based on the network that I think Jesus is calling me to, I have to start saying no to things in my life that I might enjoy in order to give more of my time to this place where I know Jesus is calling me because this is more important than, um, and might not be more important. There, there may be places where you need to go have rest time or whatever it is. And that hobby recreates in your soul something, but we have to really examine our time. That would be one of the things I would say. The other place I would say too, as far as exploring where Jesus is calling you, we have a, a simple tool that I think is helpful to examine your possessions, your passions and the problems that you see. Mm-hmm. So all four of us sitting here would all see different problems because Jesus made us that way. And like, it's those things in our soul that we go like, as long as I'm living, this thing cannot exist. It cannot continue. So maybe Jesus is calling me to step into that place. Well, if you begin to examine your passions, like what are all the things that I'm good at? What are all of the things that, that make me tick and where do I see the overlap of those passions responding to that problem? Mm -hmm. And then to explore, like, what are the possessions that I have? So you mentioned your house, you know, so like for us, it's always been a neighborhood because we have a ton of little kids and we're there all the time, you know? And so we do this inventory, like, what do we have? We have a house, we have a backyard, we have toys. It's like, I know that sounds very base level, but it's like, no, these are possessions that we have that we can bless people. And you know, we're passionate about creating family and creating a, a, a sense of belonging for people. And the problem that we saw in our neighborhood was like, none of these people know each other. Mm-hmm. So the collision of, of those mm-hmm. three things is like, Jesus wants us to spend most of our time in this place and create this sense of belonging and love between these people and to see them, you know, make Jesus Lord of their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. Problems, passions, and possessions. Possessions, yeah, it's so yeah. good. Sure. I was gonna throw one more thing out there as far as uh, there are probably introverts watching this video or hearing this podcast and they're like, what? Like, there's no way I can be the center of this whole relational network. So find the find the one who is and be a tick on a dog, you know, and let, let that- <laughs> That's a negative. No, no. <laughs> How is being a bug-sucking bug a negative? (laughs) No, I'm saying find that person who knows everyone. That's right. And come alongside them and be like, hey, I've been thinking about this. And, you know, I think you're, you know, everyone. Can you help invite or whatever it is? Like, I've done a. Yeah, be on a team. Yeah, totally. I mean, and they they don't have to know Jesus yet either. You know, you guys, do you have examples of like an introvert that that's that's worked for them? My wife. <laughs> I mean, like as far as I am, you on can slow down a little space between that question. And answer, but <laughs> no, all good. she owns that. The like for her, yeah. it's I always make the joke. <laughs> we throw parties all the time, and if it was up to me, 
there would be plenty of meat for everyone, but there would be nothing to eat on or with or size <laughs> or drink or uh, a space that is inviting and welcoming. Like she creates this environment for people yeah. where they feel the sense of belonging. They may not be able to communicate that, but it's because of her gifting in like, and we're on a team together. Yeah. You know, and so she's not going to go out there and meet every person in the neighborhood. But like that's part of our rhythm is we create space that I do a lot of that. Yeah. But then Kristen is just as much involved in the life of disciple making within our neighborhood and the family. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a it's a emerging story, but we've got uh, our oldest is in kindergarten this year and they're just starting to do these little sports activities. And uh, there's one mom in this group who is like amazing at we're going to do this. We're going to get families together and, and they don't know Jesus, but they are the best connectors yes. in the world. So, you know, what I'm going to do, I want to hang out with them right. like, because like I could, they, it's years of relational equity built up in one friendship. Yeah. Right. Like, cause they have, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, we, we believe very much in parasitical <laughs> missions. And I agree totally. And like, man, parasit- I, amen. <laughs> I, uh, I went I actually because I had this problem. I'm an introvert. I'm all the problems you guys just described. And I had this epiphany just recently where I'm like, I have like, I have probably 10 friends that are insane networkers that have huge networks of, you know, non-believers and, you know, and I just started talking to them. I'm like, hey, would you partner with me in doing this? Or how can I help you with that? And yeah, it took me about a few weeks before I suddenly had, you know, you know, double, triple my non-believing network. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is really not that complicated. Um, so speaking of that, one of the things, uh, Corey, you mentioned in your article was really focus on those people who lean in. So one, one of the questions that I have <clears throat> about people of peace, and, and I've seen this happen a lot, people get, especially we're in a Christian bubble, a lot of us don't have very many non-believing friends. Um, but when we have one or two, we sort of get totally fixated, even if they're not leaning in. And we're like, yeah. we're on mission you know i'm just like i got one or two friends and and i there's almost like a number i know i know it's not purely that but it's like look you've got to get like missionaries don't do that like missionaries are in other countries they like they're, they're constantly expanding their network and understanding that that timing is is really important and that sometimes people lean in and sometimes they're just not in a great season to have spiritual conversations so yeah speak to yeah, yeah. To that that component no, that's so good. I, I mean, I got two pictures that come to my mind. One is a stoplight. Uh, and I think that might be in that article, but we yeah. just use that like red, yellow, green, uh, simple picture of like, okay, if are you leaning in? Are you a yellow? Are you really leaning in? Is this situation a green light situation? Is it like leaning back? Like you said, Jesus or something about the Bible and they go back. <laughs> like, don't, don't run the red light. You know, like you don't have to make it weird in that sense. You just like the whole thing is joining God. Uh, where he's already worked. So, so that, that's one picture. The other picture is uh, this like, um, and it's funny because I'm not a gardener. So I need to start gardening. So these pictures make more sense. But thinking of like, you know, I'm growing a tomato or, or I want to pluck some tomatoes from the pluck, pluck. Do you pluck <laughs> the, do you, I want to get some tomatoes from the, you know, the plant <laughs> that grows tomatoes. And it's like, okay, I'm fixated on this one plant, you know, grow, 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 you know, and there might be just, just fields, of fruit that's being produced around it, but I'm so fixated on one that I'm missing. So like we as missionaries, especially for a catalytic, we have to be willing to go where God is going. That doesn't mean we throw all these old relationships aside and it's like, ah, moving on. But just as far as just the reality of our own time mm-hmm. and who we spend time with, it's like, I want to spend time with the people that God is already working on. 
Great. It makes my life a lot easier in mission because I'm not going to have to create it from scratch. So you want to go where you feel like you see the, the, the fingerprints of God already to, to step in. Um, so that's definitely a, that's a, that's a movement principle that is really, really significant. Yeah, the two things that come to mind for me, one is uh, time management, again, leaders and lost. Uh, so this is a, just a principle of examine your time again and, and determine how much time you're spending with leaders. So these are people that want to be reproduced. So if you're in the Christian bubble, how many of these people are ready to be equipped and sent and desire to go not lead their own massive network, but just be equipped to go make disciples, give yourself to those people. Yeah. And then how much time are you spending with lost people? people that don't yet know how much they matter to Jesus and, and give your time to those two categories. And most of us in the Christian bubble, we give our time to people that don't want to be leaders and don't want to be equipped and sent and haven't really owned Jesus as Lord. Yeah. And we don't give a whole lot of time to the lost. We give it to the people in the middle that go, Hey, can we just go have lunch? Well, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. I don't know. I just like, I just kind of feel like down, you know, and it's like, it's yeah. sucking and draining our time. And it's not, I'm not, saying that like you're, so, you're care such a for shepherd people. I know, we're also neither of us are shepherds so <laughs> just know that. i'm not saying don't care for people i'm just saying like if yeah. you want to max you can still give your time to those people because they may be moving towards that leader right. but if most of your time is in the middle you're not going to be reproducing leaders and you're not going to be talking to people about jesus so the other thing i would say just practically in my own neighborhood and again mine is like uh, geographically based. It's not a network like a lot of the stuff Corey's talking about is I just did as much inviting as possible. Mm. And, you know, it started with Tuesday nights with guys on my porch. And it's like the ones that hung around after we started dropping Jesus in, those are the ones, Yeah, you yeah. know? And when a few of those kind of moved away, it's like invite more people. And so you have to think through different layers of invitations as well. Uh, so that goes back to the 31272 crowds. It's like throw the big parties, see who leans in, invite them to the 72 things that you do. So we'll do these big crawfish boils. We got one lined up, you know, and it's like, we'll see like what connects, who's like sort of like, man, it sounds like what, I don't know, whatever conversation pops up. It's like, I'm going to invite that guy to Tuesday night, you know, and then Tuesday night, you're hearing me talk about how Jesus informs my life. And all of a sudden I'm getting a text about, Hey, I want to talk to you about this. And it's like, this guy's coming toward the 12, Yeah, you know? So to start thinking through mm -hmm. how we engage people at different social spaces to move them to the next sort of, uh, relational ring, if you will, of yeah. ongoing disciple making. Yeah. yeah. It, sounds, it sounds like, um, it's possible to do this in America. You, <laughs> you guys just packed <laughs> so much in. That was like, so helpful. Like I, I'm just sitting here, like ready to, Yes. Create some relationship networks. Like I'm ready to go. It's so it's, and it's just, it's just that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I would say this, the, the persons of peace are found in three ways real quickly. Yeah. Uh, there's an encounter with God of some kind, you know, where pray with someone, people get healed. There's a prophetic word. I mean, that stuff, I mean, it's very common and uh, they lean in because they experience the power of God. Uh, number two, there's a there's a scratching the itch in the name of Jesus reality where loving people practically it opens up the doors to spiritual interest. Why are you doing this or whatever? Number three is in you know more often than not, it's coupled with the other two. It's gospel conversations. You're speaking openly about the kingdom of God. What's God doing in your life? You're validating 
uh, kingdom of God stuff in their life. And uh, within very natural spiritual conversations, you invite people to a next step of discovering God together. Like those three things are really like, it's, it doesn't make it quite as scary, mm -hmm. you know, like persons of peace are discovered generally from those three activities. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you're feeling a yearning to learn how to make disciples in the West, we just want to invite you to join our Made for Mission Coaching Intensive, where we combine online content and personal coaching that's going to provide you with the teaching and the tools and the encouragement that you need to actually see disciples made in your context. So for more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org slash made for mission. We'll see you for the next episode.